You are listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders in the NHS. I'm Ellie Fox and I help connect digital leaders in the NHS with interim talent and today I am your host. Today I am joined by Mark Austin, Mark Landau and Sean Hessen. The views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect official position or policy of their organisation. In today's episode, we will be discussing data in the NHS. So before we get started, uh, if we could go around the room and introduce yourselves, your job role, the trust you work for and something interesting about yourself. Um, So Mark A, we'll start with you just because you're at the top. If you could just introduce yourself, please, that'd be great. Hello, I'm Martin Costin. I'm not elective lead in business intelligence unit at Bart's Health at the moment. Um, That will make Mark L smile Mm -hmm. because I'm back for the third time. Um, Interesting fact about myself. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I think most people know I'm a Formula One nut. Thank you very much. Um, Sean, could you introduce yourself, please? Yep. Hi, I'm Sean. I'm the Head of Information Reporting at the Royal Fleet. Uh, so I lead the Information Management team, which is responsible for the external statutory submissions. Um, we're split into teams, so we service the business units on ad hoc information and support for the various operational and clinical work streams. Uh, so quite standard in that sense. Uh, interesting fact about myself, uh, just on Mark's point, I guess I, you probably call me a football nut. Mm-hmm. Um, it was particularly a West Ham for my sins, so yeah. Thank you very much, Sean. And then Mark L, if you could introduce yourself, please. Hi, I'm uh, Mark Landau. I'm Director of Business Intelligence at West Hertfordshire Hospitals NHS Trust. Um, I look after the similar kind of portfolio, so the reporting side of things, but I've also got clinical coding and information governments under my remit as well. Um, I guess interesting fact about uh, myself is that I've I've worked at Royal Free and at Barts and <laughs> now when Barts so, uh, so I probably know a fair bit about all of uh, the organisations that we're talking about today. Fantastic, thank you very much. Um, Fab, so we'll get started with the questions. Uh, so I'll just go around in the order that, that everyone's introduced themselves. So Mark A, um, your question was, what does a data-driven decision-making organisation need from reports and business intelligence to make data count? What With what sort of graph to tell the story? So if you want to give us a bit of context as to why you want to discuss that question. Um, we, we seem to spend a lot of time arguing about um, whether data is correct or what sort of graph we should use to tell the story when generally if the trend's going the wrong way the trend's going the wrong way um so it it was really just to pick up on some of that i i, I accept that we're probably going away from if you like uh scoreboards and rag rating from from a initial alerting perspective <clears throat> and making sure that we do show the right graph that gives enough context to the metric we're interested in but e- even so, we, we have to be perhaps more selective than we, we are. So hence, hence the question was in, in getting people to accept at least the changeability of the data. Um, are we presenting it in the right context for them to recognize it and for them to then comment on what the drivers or issues are behind it? Thank you, Mark. Uh, Mark, you 
that you hate hand raised if we go over to you yeah i i, I guess i've come across these kind of challenges quite a lot um if if um, analysts and um and data savvy people can um put something into a, a chart or a table they they will use as many different types of charts and tables as they possibly can um one of the things that we've done at west hearts over the last year or two um and we kind of pushed this through in there a redesign of our integrated performance report um which we we're now kind of cascading down to our um quality committee ipr and then to our divisional iprs is to um remove some of that from from um those reports and look at using um as much kind of um uh, uniformity when it comes to presentation as possible so that when people see one of our charts they know what they're looking at and they know where to look for uh statistical variation and and that kind of thing we, we use as much spc methodology as we can get away with we keep um we keep the kind of colors and format etc as common as possible um mark a will be familiar with the with the uh, the kind of methodology at barts which is very similar kind of a kind of branding style um if you can if you can take people's attention away from trying to decipher what the the, the chart or or metric is is um how it's constructed and go straight to, to what's the story that it's telling me that's half the battle so it's for me it's about keeping things as clear as possible understanding what it is that you're trying to get from from anything you present so understand the um the exam question that you've been asked to present upon um and then the bit that i think is the real skill and the nuance is the narrative that you surround um the charts and metrics with because um analysts have a bit of a tendency to, to like to hide behind data um they like to present um packaged up tables and um uh, and data output but not necessarily do the analytics bit and i think that's the real skill of an analyst is to be able to do the, the analytics piece to be able to communicate with um the customers understand what's driving change um and be able to present that in a fashion that is easily digestible for the audience and that audience can be entirely different you could be working with um with people that are used to working on award and don't really have much of a concept of uh of a spreadsheet or dashboard or, or whatever or you could be talking to the chief executive and you you have to tailor your presentation slightly differently but that's where the skill in getting the visuals right is really key so if, it, if it's easy for people to see what they've been told but and then you tie in some analysis around it as well that's your best chance of being successful thank you mark sean what are your thoughts yeah i definitely agree with what you said there mark i think that we have a very similar approach to how we're trying to roll out our power bi apps to make have that kind of branding that that is very similar across each app that you would open um in terms of style and and visuals and um, there's certain kind of um, navigation and things like that. Um, I think that we, you, you should always try to make it as, as clear as possible for like what it's saying and, you know, in terms of labelling and just that general good practice of not really it taking more than like 10 seconds to understand a chart, for example. Like if it takes longer than that, then it's you're always on to losing battle, really. So um, 
what we are trying to do is is kind of and it's part of my question really is like having the um that the the services take ownership of their data so that they um they really understand it and um and us helping them to to understand it so getting past that part of you know um them requesting charts and then having to go through that back and forth of what does it mean and 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 the and the analysts having to kind of do that each time so i think that having that data on demand certainly makes that help you know it helps in that way but i think in it, part of your question i thought was interesting was like what what chart do you use i think it's um but it all obviously always depends on what you're trying to show in terms of like spc is like trend analysis and that's very heavily pushed here as well i think that qi team they have they have like coaching sessions for spc we we always get asked for them and 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 and, and use them in our in in our charts where possible but power bi obviously gives you so many other things that you can use but not always appropriate and not always telling the story that you want to tell so i think that operational clinical stuff they pose different questions for data and and answering in those different way and uh, as you said in analyst we can get bogged down with like the the engineering of the data and explaining of like how we put it all together but what you you should really be trying to do is answer the question with it or understand the question more so i think that's you know from my point of view that's always something that i try to um instill in the teams that that, that we work with Perfect. Thank you, Sean. Um, Mark, have you got anything that you want to add? No, I, I think they're all valid points. I think um, <clears throat> we we have this extra dynamic now with transformation and QIing, trying trying to do step improvements for things. So it is important that they can distill out if there has been a step change. But <clears throat> we, we seem to spend a lot of time deciding whether the SPC should have dots on them or not dots and what colour the dots should be. And and then another week it'd be, can we have just black dots? It's like, okay, we'll have black dots this week. That's fine. Because obviously it's getting too complicated and it's lo losing the impact of seeing the trend as opposed to what's happening so as, as long as the narrative that goes with the graph points out what what's behind it then it, it that's the main thing i i was being uh, very deliberate in my shaping of the question Thanks, thank mark. you I, I wondered how deliberate you were in your wording mark because you, you mentioned the phrase make data count so um i i wondered how how much you were kind of referencing the, the making data count program because we've relied quite heavily on the on the tools and the um and the kind of presentational style so that a kind of blue orange and purple kind of um uh, color profile that they use in their in their reports um it it seems to work individually for people and then when they see those when um, uh, those kind of uh little Colored dots, etc. Um, we I've had a couple of sessions with um, with Mike Davidge from from NHS Elect actually. And when you talk about what type of chart to use, he's very much a, an XMR evangelist, and will um, will kind of say that you should use an XMR chart for for almost everything. Um, we we use those largely um, for our performance metrics, but. There are some odd ones where a rare events tool is a is a more appropriate thing to use. So um, things like category three and four pressure ulcers, where there are far fewer of them, 
um, looking at the time between instances as a is a more relevant metric than um, looking at things over a, a time series. So we we tend to use almost all XML charts, and then um, occasionally we we pop in any uh, uh, a time between type chart. Thank you, Mark. Um, has anyone got anything else to add before we go into the next question? No. Cool. Uh, so, Sean, your question was, a key priority in our data strategy and many other trusts, it seems, is the development of standard reporting apps using Power BI that provide on-demand informatics and enable staff to have more access and understanding of data. Getting services to make the most of that access, changing the way they work with BI tools instead of relying on static data packs being sent out and also building trust in the data the apps contain are proving the cha biggest challenges currently. Are you experiencing this at your trusts and are you able to share any strategies that have worked or have any thoughts on what would work? So if you want to give us a bit of context, Sean, and then we'll move around to the panel. Yeah, it was a bit wordy, wasn't it? Sorry. Um, so yeah, I, I guess it's, it's what it is. We, we're enrolling at Power BI at the moment. We have been um, rolling it out for a, for a few months. Um, we've got a few apps out there, theatres, board reporting, impatience. And I think the, the culture of this organisation is very much around static data, data being sent out. You know, there's very much that business partner model, but we we're trying to change that and 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 i think a lot of trusts are doing that as well where you have a lot more access to data that you can go to on on demand um but we often find that that there's it, we're trying to change that culture and and um teach people how to work with data but but that's kind of that is a challenge it's, it's we've been successful but in some areas but we often get oh can you just send us the data you know we can't we need more training and and you know so so I think it's 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 if you have any experience of it of how that there's worked uh, that you've overcome that at your organisation and um, anything that you can share any thoughts on it as well. Mark L, we'll go straight over to you. So um, I guess good news and bad news from from my point of view is I think you're absolutely going on the right journey. Um, but I, I not anywhere I've been I've not nailed it yet in terms of getting um, people to use self service reporting and and things like that. I guess key principles for from my point of view, are um, people believe in what they're seeing? So that belief in the data. Um, now you could spend forever um, trying to make your apps and your reports um, as accurate as possible. But I think one of the one of the things that the, the COVID nineteen pandemic has taught a little bit is is the um, is how agile we can be with some of this stuff. So um, you can acknowledge that the data isn't perfect, get something out there, and then engage people and and say look if you want this to be useful you're going to have to put stuff in on the front end that is accurate so highlighting where there are data issues can help people in in all contexts really um i think it's making sure that your reports um aren't just um a kind of box ticking exercise and are things that will help people to run their service or help people to um to identify issues within the particular sphere of influence etc so it's it's nailing down the, the the kind of reports and apps that are actually going to be useful to people. So 
um, rather than the BI team going up, we we need to focus on our four hour performance in A and E or, or whatever. So we'll we'll do you a nice dashboard on our on our um, A and E waits and times. Maybe think about what how breaking down the the patient's journey in A and E. Where is the where is the delay uh, in particular? So what can they influence? Is it the is it the time that the patient waits to be triaged? Is it the time that it takes for a doctor to assign themselves to to that particular patient? Is it the time that it takes to get your diagnostics in or get your bloods in or, or whatever? Which part of the, the patient journey um, is where the blockers are and how can we influence that? So um, it, again, it comes down to understanding who your customers are and understanding what they need. Um, and rather than just kind of taking the approach of these are our kind of mandatory and statutory report. So we're going to publish you a set of these that you can see on a nice platform. Use your, use your Power BI platform to provide stuff that's really going to be value add to, to the customer. Um, then you can get them engaged and you can get them um, kind of living the data a little bit. And I guess having as near live data as possible in those, in those platforms really helps. Um, so that's a challenge for, for, I guess, all of us are um a certain organization so that uh, that challenge of getting the data out and into somewhere where you can see it um straight away is, is not particularly easy at times um but yeah the more relevant you can make it to the people on the ground the better from my point of view thank you mark mark a we'll go over to you yeah it's it's a question of data literacy isn't there um you know what are people prepared to do for themselves and i think we all have a level of sympathy with the busy nurse that doesn't deal with too much data as opposed to somebody who it's their bread and butter most of the time. I think one of the advantages you have with Power BI is that for all of your users, you can actually send them an email snapshot of one of the pages. So they, they can get a hybrid sense of is a snapshot eight o'clock this morning this was the state in A&E, this is the pretty picture that tells you all the different things that's going on. And then if they're sort of minded to follow through, they can then click through that and go to the app and then actually look at the detail. So that that helps, but you obviously need the licensing for it. I think the you, you touched on it earlier about having a conformity or house style to all of your apps. And I, I think that's very important so that people know whether the help button is not the panic one that's the red one um but the the way to actually navigate through becomes something a skill that they can learn and and then they're dealing with the specifics of that app and what it's focusing on uh, as mark said it's it's about drawing out the things to concentrate on and drill through the very keen on being able to drill through and um, in Power BI that you know that is a drill through to a more detailed level I think for us we we can still do some of that and keep it away from PID and then just have a separate detail page with PID in it so that we secure that separately um, because most people don't really need to get to the PID they say they do but they just need to get to patient level and then you know the person that spent four out, four days in A&E is going to be pretty well known to the A&E department um, and, and ambulance handovers and things like that. So, yeah, it's getting people used to it, getting them engaged, um, getting some sort of, you know, use QI, the transformation people, to help evangelize, for want of a better word, 
um, and, and go out there and help educate, make it um, a training course, you know, get people to get their smarties that way. Thanks, Mark. Um, Sean, have you got anything to add or anything yeah, that, you want to go back on? Yeah, that was really helpful. Um, I think, um, you, like, if you're looking at how you use it, how they're using the data, and I think what you said, Mark, about the having that insight, though, that extra, you know, those added bonus things that you can kind of go into and, and, and look at data in a bit more detail is, is, um, is really useful. I think we, we, it's kind of finding the balance between that, having something uniform that, that everyone can understand and then kind of showing them something that's the, the jazzy elements of Power BI, the, the things that you can drill into and, and, um, make the most of the, 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 the tools that you've got. Um, so, and I think, okay, what you said about the, the data literacy, I think that's one thing that we're trying to work on is the kind of, um, improving that. And we're looking into like working with QI team and they have like, um, apprenticeships where for non-data analysts, where you can have like a data literacy or data readiness or, um, but they're, they're still quite time, there's still quite a time commitment to that. So. We're trying to like get the word out and work with QI to develop some kind of entry level training on data so that they can work with it. But um, yeah, it's finding that balance of keep getting people interested, but not overbearing them with too much thing, you know, in terms of data, because they, I guess they're interested to a certain point and they have their other jobs that they're doing as well. So um, yeah, I think there's, there, there's really, I appreciate those comments. Thanks. Thank you, Sean. Um, Mark A, back to you. Well, I, I, we, touched upon the business partner model didn't we um in one of the conversations and i think where, where there's a oddball question that's where you would you would hope that they would go to the business partner who's relevant to their site and their circumstance and you can guide them with giving them some of that answer and and maybe that's the suggestion box for next month's app thanks thanks mark and um, anything else to add before we move on to mark l's question no cool um, so, Mark, you said, with the opening up of tendering for the federated data platform, what direction do you think this project could and should go in? The five use cases include population health and person insight and elective recovery. What would you like to see the FDP delivering? And I guess the kind of context for this, um, we are starting to engage with... Um, Palantir a little bit on the IE CCP, um, and I know that they will be uh, one of the tendering parties for the federated uh, data platform. Um, their tool, I think it's it's good some of the stuff that they've done at, at Chow West, etc. Um, but the, um, without something that talks back to your your old VPR system, I think the utility of it is relatively limited at the moment. Um, so we are also doing some some work developing a fit performance tool, uh, working with Newton um, at the moment. Um, and I get the impression that the government aren't entirely clear what they want this federated data platform to be or to do. Um, and they're asking for a bit of help from tendering parties to um, to come up with something. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to see what, what kind of um, platform you'd want to see come out of it from, from your end, I guess. Thanks, Mark. Um, Sean, we'll go straight over to you. Yeah, so we've we've been using Foundry um, 
we're starting to use it, I think it's probably the best thing to say. Um, we have the um, performance overview dashboard, I think it's called, that we've been working with NCL commissioning analyst teams to kind of, they challenge us with data. It compares us to to, to, to them into based on the data that we've submitted. So we're kind of using it on that basis at the moment. Um, so I, th I can definitely see that the value in it in in terms of like having that that standardized data set that we're all comparing against and, and in terms of saving time with as i think of, it's the same with you guys but with there's a lot more um demand for data to be shared with commissioners and um you know out, it, i mean sit reps have increased increased a lot and um just it, it, the flow of information around this seems seems to be a lot more and finding ways to to standardize that and automate it just seems like the way to go to try and to release that burden because we definitely have seen an increase in that. Um, but I, I, I've kind of read a bit about the federated data platform and kind of what they they think they want it to do. And I, I quite like the idea of the, like the integration of data sets across trusts, like looking at like the full pathway. So like in like previous roles, I've worked like a lot with clinical audit data sets. So like working across like the pediatric adult the cardiology pathway and cancer and trying to link those data sets when patients move around to different trusts and 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 kind of trying to learn from that in terms of outcomes so if you could use it for that then then that i mean that's what they said they wanted to do it's just very difficult thing to do in terms of making something that's useful but i think that's you know that's the, the first thing that came to my mind is something that i think would be really useful for it to be used for um but at the moment we're kind of just still working out how to use it best for, for the data we have in the, the Foundry platform that we have at the moment. Thank you, Sean. Um, Mark A, we'll go over to you. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing is, you know, is, is it a means of capturing data or sharing data? And it, it's difficult to know what, what it's aiming for. I think we we as health informatics specialists would all concur that anything that would lessen the burden on doing things multiple times has got to be commended. Um, I, I lose track of the number of times a body in the area comes to us for something. And I'm saying, but surely you, you've already got this fire such and such. And they're like, oh yeah, but it's too difficult. We're coming to you to get it. And it's like, why, why do we have to repeat ourselves? You know, um, so I, I think if we could submit once, that would be... Um, yeah, that'd be my dream. You know, and, and and if it can knit together some of the data sets in a IG friendly manner, he says, wearing the other hat of life, um, so that small numbers of people with very rare diseases can't be identified, then I, I think aggregated data set pulling all of that together because our hospitals have a wider reach than our geographic area. So e even ICBs are too small an area uh, and we have other flows that come in for specialist things or you know somebody just happens to have an accident in your region so you know it's having that 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 piece i think it's a very important platform going forward especially with what will happen with nhs england and improvement as they become the new body absorbing all of nhs digital and everything else so one one platform for all of that data would, would definitely be the way to go. Um, 
it'd be nice if some of that could be fed back into our systems, but then we're going back into the national program arena where, you know, we could all do with one system, but we'd be arguing about the configuration of it. So um, I think that's my point. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. Sean, back over to you. Yeah, just to add on that, I think what you said around like having those standardised with the way of reporting back is that if there's going to be a lot of investment in that element of it, in you know, it's it where a lot of what we try to do is benchmarking, and it, it, you know, there's not there's only so much you can do with benchmarking at the moment, it seems. Um, and if if they invest enough in 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 improving that, because it seems to be the case of everywhere. I've worked so that it's very difficult to to get some solid benchmarking I mean, model hospital we use that here um but it's very specific certain specialties certain certain um data sets and metrics so so I think that if that if they invest enough in in re that reporting back and providing us with a lot of that um those reporting suites that we that we can use share amongst the teams within the trust you know that's that it would reduce the burden on us in that sense. Thank you, Sean. Uh, Mark Ald? Yeah, it's interesting you touch on that benchmarking um, side of things, um, Sean. I spend um, too much of my time trying to find out where we sit in various different rankings um, for A&E performance or RTT or, or whatever. Um, our executive quite often wants to know that and um, the, the, the NHS Singman Tableau Analytics platform provides some of those things, but, but that is limited. Um, Model Hospital provides some of that, but quite often the data is pretty old that's in there. Um, it's not latest published data very often. I would like to see a, a platform that has all of those kind of key core um, metrics contained that is easily um, quizzable, easily downloadable, um, that I don't have to go and extract a, an Excel document off and then load it into the data warehouse or whatever in order to be able to, to create performance tables. Um, I'd like to see us get to a point where um, the UET sit rep what used to be the winter sit rep we now seem to be in a perpetual winter um that that is just taken off of our ecvs data and um and we don't have to um populate something else and 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 complete something else um i'd like to see that for for some of the other stuff that's out there as well the various different sit reps that they take take it from sus data that we're we're plugging in every day um if you want to know what our occupancy is that kind of thing but again there's a there's a um a burden on the trust center to make sure that the data entry is accurate um if you start publishing some of that stuff it will drive um in improved recording um at the moment i th i think as as informatics teams we we spend a lot of time creating workarounds and um and um and creating fixes for data problems that that are matched a little bit um, if we if we're all pretty open with our data, but some of those things will get solved fairly quickly, I think. Um, so some some more openness on that point of view would be good. I'd like to see the population health bit a little bit easier. Um, front doors of hospitals are, are rammed at the moment. Back doors are also pretty rammed. To be honest, as well, we've got um, we've got problems with um, with ambulances. We've got problems with social care. So getting flow through the hospital is tricky. 
So it would be good if we could um, more readily identify the cohort of patients that are going to end up at hospital. Um, and some of that is relatively predictable because um, patients with uh, X number of long-term conditions are going to attend um, hospital and end up in, as inpatients. So we should be looking at like, prevention rather than just what we do with the patients once they arrive at the hospital as well. And that's, that's a system burden, not just an acute hospital burden, but it's something that we need to get a lot better at. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Mark A, if you got something yeah, to add. Yeah, I, I agree with the prevention's better than cure analogy, and it's it's where I ultimately we should be investing more in prevention than the actual treating and, and the huge monolithic hospitals. Um, not that they don't need investment to stop them falling down, I, I hasten to add. But we do spend a lot of time doing a lot of these things, and it would be better if it was a, more available for us um, a lot of private sector money seems to be gained out of just regurgitating the data that we submit. So benchmarking for the NHS would be helpful. It, it's also one where you're trying to arm your executives with the data that they're likely to face walking to for performance meetings so that you know they, they're not surprised by the, the way the conversation's gone, or at least they've being able to understand what some of the issues are for them before they walk in. Thank you, Mark. Fab, so that's all of the questions. Has anyone got anything else to add on that final one? No? Fabulous. Before we end the podcast, I'd like to say thanks so much to all our guests for sharing their thoughts in today's conversation. Once again, our guests on today's podcast have been Mark Austin at Bart Health, Mark Landau at West Hertfordshire NHS Foundation Trust, and Sean Hessen at Royal Free. If you are hiring for new technical roles or looking for a new role, feel free to get in touch with us here at Evolution. Or if you or anyone you know would like to be featured on a future podcast, you can drop me a message too. I am Ellie Fox and you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at ellie.fox at evolution-contract.co.uk. Thanks again for listening and thank you to all of our guests.